It's the Speedway Show, an idea exchange empowering us to live well, live fully, and love deeply. And now, here's our host, Speedway. Hello, 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 and welcome to the Speedway Show. Today is our final installation of the series on international travel. I have been providing international travel tips uh, three shows down. This is the last one to go, and we have talked about all manner of things. If you didn't catch the first, second, and third, I suggest and highly recommend that you listen because we cover different things every single show. In the, I have said this every single show, I've said this, that actually 95% of the success of your trip depends on uh, what you do before you ever get on the plane. And most of your stress will be mitigated and eliminated, perhaps completely, if you have the right habits. So in the first show, we talked about all the reasons why you should have a frequent flyer number and all of the benefits that you get from doing that. We also talked about the best ways to check in and some, you know, maybe well-kept secrets of frequent travelers for how to um, maximize the efficiency of the check-in process and avoid some of those long lines that you have to be in. In the second show, we talked about baggage and baggage costs and baggage handling, and uh, we talked about uh, baggage avoidance, in fact, and uh, the benefits of um, taking on your um, um travel, taking a uh, uh, carry-on as opposed to trying to um, check in your luggage and, and why that's such a good thing. We also talked about uh, other things that you need to factor into your uh, planning for your trip, like language issues and security, and we talked about some of the, the things that you end up having to be aware of in terms of security and language that you might not recognize. In the third show, we talked about Spiwa's favorite travel tools. And um, by the way, I have a list. I, I'm a huge advocate of keeping a list that you use. Every time you travel, you check off that list when you pack your stuff. If you would like a copy of um, uh, my list, I'll be happy to send you a typical list for me and uh, keep it for you and your family. And um, you can email me at Speedway. Uh, the email address is Speedway at Speedway.com. Or you can uh, shoot me a message on Facebook or on Twitter or um, on the SpeedwayShow.com, and uh, you can just email me a note, and I'll be happy to send you a copy of the list. Uh, we also talked about uh, things you should know about getting to the airport, parking at the airport in the third Show and we talked about traffic, uh, uh, traffic, parking, timing in the third show. Um, now we're going to talk about a few final things. Uh, one of the things that I will tell you is um, uh, get to know your airport. So we have uh, booked our tickets, we have uh, used our frequent flyer numbers, we have planned the timing of arriving at the airport, we have packed our luggage, we are now getting to the airport. Get to know your airport. 
Some airports will have terminals specifically for expedited check-in that are not used by most passengers. For example, at the Minneapolis-St. Paul International Airport, which is where I most frequently fly from, um, if you park in the blue ramp, it will allow you to go through an expedited Skyway check-in desk. But, but you can only use it if you have carry-on luggage, okay? Um, there are also different check-in points if you have elite status, gold status, some sort of preferred status, different airports, different airlines, call them different things. I happen to know Delta because I fly Delta most frequently. But there will be separate check-in aisles for uh, people with preferred status. So if you have your frequent flyer number that you use for all your trips and you've gotten to the point where you are getting some perks, one of those, one of the very first perks that you get with your frequent flyer mile number is that you don't have to wait in the long line to do your check-in. So pay attention to where um, those expedited checkpoints are and pay attention to what kind of status do you have to have in order to be able to check in there, okay? And the other thing about knowing your airport, as I said, at the Minneapolis-St. Paul Terminal, you can get through that expedited check-in desk if you have no um, luggage to check in, but you have to, in order to get access to it, you have to go through the blue ramp. If you go through the green ramp, that's just going to leave you in the regular um, uh, check-in area at the ticketing desks. So the other thing that you should know is if I park in a certain place, what point, where does that take me into the airport? And the uh, those can differ a great deal. So, for example, I discovered that if I parked in the green and the gold ramp, that would I could take the Skyway and that would take me to the ticketing desks. If I parked in the blue ramp, I could use the expedited check-in, but when it goes, when I get into the airport, I'm in a whole different part of the airport compared to the ticketing desks. If I park in the red or the blue ramp and I want to get back to my car, I have to take the shot, I have to take the train to get to the blue ramp and the, uh, the red ramp parking if I'm coming back. And so I decided I didn't like to take the train. I just wanted to take the Skyway, which is why most days I actually park in the green ramp. And even if I'm not checking luggage, I usually just still park in the green ramp because one of the tips I gave in one of the shows is park in the same place every time. If the green ramp is the place where I find myself most comfortable, that's where I always park because, you know, after a while, especially if you travel a lot, you will fall into habits where you're not even thinking about where you're going. You just automatically go to that place. So it will reduce the amount of time that you have to think about where did I park if you park in the same ramp, and whenever possible, I will park on the same floor. And I will even park in the same aisle. So I will park in aisle 2B in the green ramp because I can always remember to be or not to be. That's how I remember that I'm parked in 2B. And I'm always in the green ramp, so I know exactly which ramp. So that is something to understand about your airport. When do you have to take the train? When do you not have to take the train? If there is, um, if the parking ramps that you usually use are full, where do you go? So these are all things that you need to know about your um, traveling. 
Another thing is that there are there's a special check-in area for people who qualify for the the uh, TSA pre-check program. This program allows expedited screening for frequent travelers, and it allows you to go through security without taking your computers out of your bag or removing your shoes, so you or even taking out your liquids. So you just put your bags on the conveyor belt and you walk through. It's fantastic. Visit Speedway.com for a link to more information about the TSA PreCheck program. It really does save you time and energy, especially if you travel a lot. The other thing, speaking of programs uh, that expedite your travel process, also consider enrolling in the Global Entry Program. I'm actually at a point where I have to renew my passport, and I am determined to enroll for the Global Entry Program. If you are a frequent international travel uh, traveler, Global Entry is sponsored by the Customs and Border Protection CBP program in the U.S., and it allows expedited clearance for pre-approved or low-risk travelers when they arrive in the United States. Essentially, it means that instead of standing in the really long customs line with everybody else, you get to go to the machines that have the global entry um, icon, you scan your passport, and it recognizes you, and you go right in, and there's never a line there because most people don't use it. So these are you can also get a link to the global entry program on speedway.com. I encourage you to take a look at those programs to make it faster for you to get in uh, and out of the airport. As you get to know your airport, you also find fun things that will make your travel pleasurable. Uh, is there a particular restaurant or is there a particular um, uh, uh, routine or ritual that you like to indulge in every time you go to the, ex- uh, to the airport? For example, um, one of the things I talk about is get to the airport in plenty, plenty, plenty of time. Uh, factor in, you know, unusual things that may happen with parking that may happen with traffic patterns um, and all of that stuff. So what happens when you get to the airport way early compared to when your flight leaves? Well, this is where you get to have some fun. So here is my particular ritual. One of my, my, my favorite coffee places is Caribou Coffee. And uh, my favorite shoes to travel in are my Harley-Davidson riding boots because they're so sturdy, and they are phenomenal when you have to run, and um, I love to have them shined. So one of the things that I like to do when I get to the airport is if I need to go to the ATM, I go to my ATM and I get some money, and then I go to my caribou coffee and I get some coffee, and then I go to the shoe shine station, I get my shoes shined, and um, that is a phenomenal day for me. And if I need to go get something to eat, I'll go get something to eat before I leave. That is a wonderful, wonderful routine kind of day for me, and that's how I love to start my travel. Um, I also tend to travel in the same clothes because they are sturdy and comfortable and serve me well when I'm walking a long way to get to my boat, uh, to get to my gate, or if I have to split, uh, sprint to catch my flight. So I like to wear my yoga pants because they're extremely comfortable, and um, especially if I'm going on an overnight flight. I also like my Harley Davidson riding boots, as I just said. And um, speaking of boots, I suggest that you avoid wearing flip-flops or other open or ventilated shoes 
Uh, and ventilated shoes, you know, a lot of tennis shoes now are ventilated because that way, you know, the air circulates better and so on. But here's the deal. When you get on the plane, don't wear shoes like that because oftentimes there are air conditioning vents along the floors, and the floor tends to be the coldest area on the plane. And your feet will freeze if you have open shoes or if you have flip-flops. I'm not even sure they'll let you get on the plane in flip-flops. Um, but closed shoes, uh, personally, I prefer closed shoes, my boots, with socks are my preferred way to travel because regardless of how cold it is on the floor of the plane, you're going to be comfortable. The last thing you want on a really long flight is not to be able to sleep because your feet are freezing. Um, So there you go. Back to my boots. Don't really care for shining my own shoes. And so, therefore, I like to go to the shoe shine station. So that's part of my ritual. It's part of my routine. Why is ritual and routine important? Um, and, and, and as you can hear, I'm a big advocate of ritual and routine, right? Put your valuables in the same place. Carry the same luggage. Park in the same place. Um, use the same pockets on your luggage and in your purse to put your passport, your keys, your 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 purse, all of the things, your wallet. If you put your wallet on your person, put it in the same pocket every time. If you have an inside pocket that you like to put your wallet in, then wear that same jacket as often as you can or a jacket like that and put it in the same pocket on the inside, on the same side every time. Because all of those routines, all of those habits will help you minimize the likelihood that you're going to leave something where it doesn't belong, you're going to lose something, or you're going to panic because you think you lost something when actually you put it in a different place that you don't normally put it. So develop good travel habits like that. So having said all of that, we are finally on the plane, finally boarding the plane. And uh, look, it took us three and a half shows just to finally get on the plane. So as I said, 95% of the success of your trip will be done before you ever get on the plane. Now that we're finally on the plane, here is my suggestion. If you are on an overnight flight in particular, before the departure, do the routine things that you usually do. Go to the restroom, brush your teeth like you're at home. As much as possible, go through your regular bedtime routine because it will help set you up for sleeping. If you're on an overnight plane, For example, here's what I mean. Let's say I'm leaving California at 10 p.m. I'm going to arrive in Brazil at 8 a.m. Let's say I'm leaving Minneapolis at 9 p.m. I'm going to arrive in London at whatever, 7 a.m., 11 a.m. If you're on a flight like that where you're leaving your place at night and you're arriving local time in the morning, then don't watch movies on the plane. It's tempting to work, to watch movies, because you kind of feel like it's stolen time, it's borrowed time. Ooh, look at all the work I can get done. If you're on an overnight flight, don't do that. Sleep. Take your sleeping pills when you go through your bedtime routine and put your eye mask on. If If you've eaten before you got on the plane, then you don't need to worry about the food. They will not bother you anymore. They used to years and years ago. They used to wake you up to ask you if you want a coffee. Now they won't. Put your eye mask on. Put your noise-canceling headset on. Get your pillow on around you, your magic pillow behind you, and go to sleep. And try as much as you can 
to if you're not sleeping for that entire seven hours, then rest. Behave as you would when you're at home because it will minimize the impact of the jet lag when you get to the other side. So don't stay up watching movies. I've made that mistake and it killed me. Um, so, so try as much as possible. Go to bed at your regular bedtime. Now, when I land, I make a point not to sleep until local nighttime. So usually no earlier than 10 p.m. locally if I'm flying to London and I get to London in the morning. If I've done what I'm supposed to do and I got at least some rest on the plane, then I ought to be able to stay up until regular bedtime. So if I land at 11 a.m. or if I land at 2 p.m., even better because ain't that much time until bedtime. But stay up and go to bed at the at the regular local time bedtime. Are you going to have jet lag still? Absolutely you are. But... It is still going to be less of a hassle than if you stay up on the plane and then you take a nap when you get to the destination because at bedtime you're not going to be sleepy and you're going to have a really, really rough time for the rest of the week that you're there. And especially if it's business travel, then you know it's horrible, right, because you may be sitting for long periods of time in meetings and you have to find a way to stay awake. Coffee is always my good friend, especially in countries in Europe the coffee is really strong. The espresso is really strong. If you need to use that to stay awake, then by all means use it to stay awake. Just remember, and I did this show on, what was the show that I did? Oh, it was one of the uh, sleep shows. Why I can't sleep, I, I still can't sleep. It takes caffeine often as long as seven hours, maybe more, depending on how strong it is, to get through your system. So if you're relying on caffeine to go to sleep, do not use caffeine at least seven hours before your regular bedtime. So don't drink caffeine at dinner. Don't drink caffeine after 2 p.m. in the afternoon. Um, anytime after that, so load yourself up in the morning if you need to. But anytime, I would say after midday, dial back the caffeine because otherwise you're not going to be able to sleep when you do want to. Find things to love. This is just the stuff that's going to make your trip good. If you're traveling for business, one of the things that you're going to very quickly find out, if you don't already know, is that actually there's very little playtime and you're not going to have the time to do all the sightseeing and frolicking and doing all this great stuff, even though you're going to these great places that you're visiting. So find things to love. If you can um, build in at least some time to see the place where you are so you're not just going from the airport to the conference room back to the airport and with the hotel in between, okay? So um, my suggestion, for example, is if you can, you will find that it's cheaper to stay over a Saturday compared to maybe flying in on a Sunday. So if you have meetings that start on Monday, um Look and see how much it will how much less it'll cost you for a plane ticket to fly in on Saturday instead of Sunday. I saved as much as fifteen hundred dollars on one ticket one day when I flew into Rome on a Saturday. So what that meant was I had time on Saturday to wander around Rome and look around. I spent all day Sunday in the Vatican. It was phenomenal, and the cost of the ticket was well the cost of the extra hotel stay and the extra food was still a lot less than the cost of that that $1,500 differential. So the company still saved money. And, in fact, my company encourages us to find ways to uh, shave costs off of tickets if we can do it and we can net 
out ahead. And some companies will even pay you some of the difference if you save that money. So this is one of the ways that you can find things to love about your business travel. If you can take some time, even if it's a day, even if it's an afternoon, to walk around and see stuff, then walk around and see stuff. One of the things that I like to do if it's a safe uh, city that I'm going to and the weather's good, I always put my running shoes on and I like to run around whatever the neighborhood I am in. So when I went to Chicago the last time, uh, we stayed very, very close to Lakeshore Drive, and we were actually on the Magnificent Mile. So running down the Magnificent Mile was great because I got to see all kinds of things. And it was just uh, in the one hour that I had in the morning, I ran 30 miles out, 30, uh, 30, not 30 miles, 30 minutes out, 30 minutes back. It was just an hour. But in that hour, I got to think about nothing work-related, and I got to see a part of the city which was absolutely fantastic. Um, During my first trip to Sao Paulo, I took um, a friend of mine, uh, Ron Anderson, came with me, and um, so off we went to to, to Rio, and I took vacation time, and um, we took a bus to Rio, and it took us six hours to get there by bus, but it was only about $40, and we got to see a part of the um, country that we would have never seen otherwise. And we spent some time in Rio, and actually we met a very good friend, my good friend Brent Routman, who's a lawyer in the Twin Cities, introduced us to somebody who's still my Facebook friend to this day. Her name is Ana Paula Jardim, and uh, she took us for a tour around Rio de Janeiro, and it was phenomenal. We had a wonderful time. And um, because it was business travel, I got to fly in and out and um, take some time off and go see a really nice part of town uh, or part of the country, and it was fantastic. Now, most of my travel, I don't have time to do that. But all my all I'm saying is, regardless of where you're going, there is something that you can do to build in some time to, to just spend on you so that you're not just killing yourself. Because if you're traveling for business, you already know that you're working a lot more hours than you normally would. And part of that is because you're spending 8 to 10, sometimes even 12 hours, doing whatever you came to do. And then when you get to your hotel room, you've got to deal with the emails that have been accumulating, especially if you're in a different time zone, while you've been working. So if I fly to London, I'm working a double shift. I'm usually working from 8 in the morning to we usually break sometimes maybe around 5.30, 6 o'clock. And then we have a little bit of time at 7, usually by 6.30, 7 o'clock, we're back downstairs to mingle and to di- to have dinner, and we're usually not done with dinner until 9.30, 10 o'clock at night. And then I get to my room, and because London is, depending on the time of year, five to seven hours ahead of the U.S., I then have to deal with all of the emails that need to be addressed and that I cannot put off for the next couple of hours before I go to bed, and then I get up and do it all again. So you're always going to work more when you're traveling for business. So find something that you can like and be happy about that will make that will kind of take the edge off and make it not so bad. Um, the best-kept secrets. I have a couple of best-kept 
secrets that I'm going to share with you now. Look at the staff. This is the one best-kept secret I'm going to give you. Look at the staff that serve you at the airport. Every single person that you come into contact with who helps you, look at them. Don't just look at them. Smile at them. They don't get nearly enough courtesy, and you may be the only friendly face they see all day, especially if it's a really busy time of year. That will do two things. It will put you in a different frame of mind. It's kind of hard to yell at somebody when you're smiling at them. Um, It will also put them in a different frame of mind. You will get all the help you could ever possibly want if you just smile at people and treat them with courtesy and especially if you need help. And they will tell you because they they are harassed all day. And if it helps you remember that chances are the person standing in front of you is not the reason for your stress. If you're stressed because you got to the airport late, if you're stressed because your flight got canceled, I promise you nine times out of ten, in fact nine and a half times out of ten, it is not the fault of the person in front of you. So smile and be courteous and it will go well for you as well as everybody in your party. So those are all the travel tips. I hope you travel well. This is BUSA. Go in peace and travel safely. Thank you for joining us on The Speedway Show. Visit thespeedwayshow.com for content and other episodes. Join the fan page at facebook.com slash thespeedwayshow. And follow Speedway on Twitter at the handle The Speedway Show. Until next week, live well, live fully, and love deeply.